ivermectin if you look at all of the fox 26 houston archives the only time ivermectin was ever mentioned by this tv station was one short 20 second story on the air in april of 2020 when they announced that there was new promising research out of australia about ivermectin yeah. then boom we, we didn't hear a single thing after that because curious minds like me were put on a ban i didn't care about look drugs actually had never been an interesting thing to me prior to this but as soon as there was a very strange unjournalistic ban on this topic i got interested and i was like what what is this Welcome to the FLCCC Weekly Update. I'm Betsy Ashton. I'm a former TV news reporter myself, was at CBS, and now I'm the creative director of the FLCCC Alliance. I don't understand this kind of censorship. And this, you know, this is a nonprofit organization, a humanitarian group of doctors, great doctors who came together to try to learn how best to treat patients in a raging pandemic the worst pandemic that we've had in a hundred years. They developed protocols that treated them well. They did just that. And what happened? What happened? What kind of reward did they get except from the satisfaction of helping to treat patients around the world? Well, it's, it's just been incredible. But thanks to your donations, because this is a nonprofit organization, nobody is profiting off of medicines here. Nobody's manufacturing them. This is only about saving lives. Well, all I can say is the best thing that we have is the ability, thanks to you, to reach out with these protocols to the doctors around the world and to save more thousands of lives with them. But now you're going to have a chance to meet two of the doctors and a reporter who can tell an amazing story. Dr. Corey, are you there? Ready to go? Yes, thank you. Nice to be here. Unfortunately, we're talking about a, a somewhat unpleasant topic, but it needs to be addressed. Um, and I'm really happy to have uh, Dr. Joseph Rohn, uh, one of our dear colleagues, one of the original members and uh, still core member of uh, the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. Joseph, have you been on with us on a Wednesday night yet? Um, yeah, I believe at the very beginning when we first yeah. started. We did something a while back. Um, and then we also have um, Ivory Hecker, who uh, is a former Fox News journalist um, who got interested in uh, the story of therapeutics and really on a lot of things COVID. Uh, and she's come to some national prominence lately for taking on the issue of um, of censorship in a, in a rather public way uh, in the context of addressing this story. Um, and so she's left uh, Fox News now, but um, she's here and, I, and I, we hope to talk to her to learn a little bit more about what's going on on the other side, what's happening in the news and, and where this censorship is coming from and how it's manifesting. So Ivory, thanks for joining us. For having me. Awesome. So um, we don't have a lot of structure tonight. We're kind of like a free form thing, but let me, let me just start out with a general question. So Ivory, I just want to ask you, what got you interested in the story of like, Ivermectin and Dr. Joseph Verone. It was actually the censorship that enacted by Fox that that piqued my interest. 
I didn't realize this was a sensitive topic to Fox Corp um, until I, I accidentally asked, I, I, and when my bosses sent me to interview Dr. Verone last summer, final question was, are you using hydroxychloroquine? And when he said yes, my bosses freaked out and disciplined me. And, and they, they actually put me on a permanent ban of covering COVID drug treatments across the board. So now I couldn't cover anything. So when was as this? What, what, what time period was, was this? That was last August. So as research on what really works was evolving at that point, I was suddenly put into a blackout. Uh, I, I, one of the most curious journalists at my station, now couldn't look into it. And if you look at the archives uh, of all of our coverage, uh, nobody else was really asking about this stuff either. Uh, ivermectin, if you look at all of the Fox 26 Houston archives, the only time ivermectin was ever mentioned by this TV station was one short 20 second story on the air in April of 2020, when they announced that there was new promising research out of Australia about ivermectin, yeah. then boom, we, we didn't hear a single thing after that because curious minds like me were put on a ban. I didn't care about, look, drugs actually had never been an interesting thing to me <laughs> prior to this. But as soon as there was a very strange unjournalistic ban on this topic, I got interested and I was like, what, what is this? What is there more to this? When I realized that how many lives Dr. Verone was saving, I was like, I've got to cover this story and I've got to find a way to get out of Fox so I can cover this story. And that is why I'm now a former Fox employee. Yeah. And so like, how, how, like it was just really simple. Like they just said, you are doing no pieces on any therapeutic. Like, like how did it manifest this, this like restriction on what you could cover? Uh, they last August, you know, I covered Dr. Verone and, and they initially said, get, get rid of that soundbite before air, get rid of the soundbite about hydroxychloroquine. I said, why? So I, I got rid of it. It didn't make air, but I said, what's wrong with the soundbite? And they made the excuse that there wasn't enough context of other drugs. So I said, great. I immediately called Dr. Verone up, said, give me everything you use. He gave me his whole recipe for treating COVID. I put the whole recipe on Facebook with that soundbite that they had forbidden. And that's when I got disciplined. So their initial excuse about needing more context was not a real excuse. I got disciplined anyways for letting that soundbite reach air. They made and up lies about me after that. And Joseph, um, this this uh, description that Ivory's given, has that ever happened to you in any other interviews with any other reporters? Like, have they ever had you talk about treatments and that it doesn't show up on air? Absolutely. I mean, as you know, I have done over 1,700 uh, interviews. The media came to our hospital. Multiple of the large-scale uh, media outlets came in. They spent a lot of time. You know, they saw what we were doing, how we were flipping patients, doing all sorts of things. And I would sit down with them. I would go over, for example, the MathPlus protocol in great detail. I would get them to, to, to take pictures of the medications that we use as part of the MathPlus. Uh, protocol. I did all of these things. And then when the piece would come out, nothing, absolutely nothing on therapeutics. There were a couple of people that did something very, very uh, 
small, uh, both of them were from uh, local channels. And actually, literally, it was like one slide that said what math stands for. And they forgot to put in what the plus sign was. And that's one of the things that Ivory was actually very vocal about on, on the last interview that she did. So, you know, to me, as a clinician that is seeing patients, uh, working with the media to trying to educate the public as to what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, with understanding that what I do now is not what I was doing before, just like uh, uh, Ivory tells you, you know, in up until probably July or even August, I was still using hydroxychloroquine in, in that term. Not like some of those wacko doctors that say that it's good for everything. And, you know, just as part of our efforts to understand this illness. But yes, we started, I mean, as you know, we started using ivermectin from day one. And mm -hmm. uh, our success rate, if, if you remember, our published success rate was a mortality rate of 4.4% when the rest of the country was in the 20s. Uh, obviously, that, you know, slowly went down. People thought that we were crazy when we started to do that. When we started with the steroids, remember, Pierre? I mean, but, but hold on, Joseph. Joseph, th that's the problem is that your success rate that, that we, we tried to disseminate, right? That's actually being shown in all the other areas now, you know, a year later in a lot of regions that are sh they're showing that so many people don't even go to the hospital, so they can't die. Most people, by the time they die, they go to the hospital first, then die. So many people are being diverted. And so we're seeing that the true mortality is far lower than it used to be. And basically that it's a treatable disease, but we can't get that information out. Well, the problem was that, you know, uh, the, the news outlets were not letting me, but it was not just the news outlets, it was everything else, social media. You know, every time I would put something related to one of these therapeutic uh, interventions, I would get banned from whatever, whether it was uh, YouTube. I mean, I talked with Ivory about this. You have no idea how many times I've been to Facebook jail. One of them was just for me to, to uh, cut the title of our most recent paper on ivermectin, our uh, meta-analysis, showing that a, it works. A published paper, Joseph. A peer-reviewed published paper. That is true. Censored. Completely censored. I mean, with a big thing that I'm basically being told that, you know, I'm going to be kicked out from Facebook forever just because I keep on doing the same thing over and over again. So, so Ivory, you know, You've said, I've heard you say that you're not the only reporter who's experienced this type of treatment from your management. I mean, like without naming names, I mean, you're in the business. This is your field. I mean, we doctors, we know what it's like on the inside in medicine. We know that there's this huge top down. Most doctors, I don't want to call them sheep, but most of them, and really, I would say any profession, everybody likes to hold on to their employment. Nobody wants to get fired. And so in general, people will follow the directives from above. C can you speak at all about some of your colleagues, friends at other stations, networks, or in different media, like what kind of censorship or, or restrictions they felt and how they can approach covering COVID and therapeutics? Yeah, since, since I decided to speak out in the past few weeks about Fox's censorship of me, I've now heard from about over 30 different media members from across the nation and some in other countries who have experienced similar situations. I mean, one man I talked to was uncovering a, a university scandal when the chancellor of education came down to the TV station and ordered the manager 
to set, shut down the story and the manager complied and banned the reporter from covering it. Uh, that's that's just one story. Another another reporter just she had a group of concerned parents. This is actually in regards to to vaccines in 2019. So we're not talking COVID vaccines. A group of concerned parents talking about vaccines. She pitched their story, and was then she was shut down from that topic, but then targeted by her boss for even bringing up such a story. Like, how dare you? represent a group of parents with this sort of question on the news she became a target by her boss after that so she quit she threw in her great great career she got out of it there's so many sad stories about that i'm just today a lawsuit was filed by my colleague ed henry of fox news and like like i said with my situation this is not just a local fox uh, scenario clearly fox corp uh, the murdochs have somehow compromised this company. They are caring too much right now about what other people think and about their financial interests, and they are getting in the way of journalism. So Ed Henry of Fox News just sent me the lawsuit about an hour or two ago. He is suing Fox uh, for defamation. You know, they defamed me. His story's a little bit different, but there were scenarios where Fox said to him, you are not allowed to ask these questions. His story was not in regards to COVID treatment, uh, but it was another story that Fox decided they didn't want to deal with controversy. So they just said, do not ask those questions. Don't let those sort of sound bites end up on air. Interfering with journalism and interfering with informing the public. I, I mean, it's, it seems like the core, the core mission of journalism is being is being obstructed, just like the core mission of medicine is that we have our primary duty mm -hmm. to the patient, not to the healthcare system, and really not to guidelines and groups of distant experts who I, I, I sometimes have to call them desk jockeys because they're not like Joseph and myself who've been sweating at the bedside of these patients. And who, like Joseph said, like when he was using hydroxychloroquine, not only was he trying things, but he was learning things about the disease. And when we've tried things, using risk-benefit analysis ratios, because our patients are sick before us, we've gotten to learn a lot about the disease, what works, what doesn't, when it works, when it doesn't. And somehow that kind of granular, what we call clinical experience, that's not allowed to be shared in any medium. So mm -hmm. social media, mass media, so reporters like yourself can't talk to a doctor about what it's like treating a patient. What have you learned in the year that you've seen these thousands of patients? Joseph Verone has probably seen more COVID patients than almost any doctor in the world. I mean, the, the, the guy's known for work, having work, I don't know, Joe, what, what, what was your streak, 400 My plus streak days? Was, uh, four, 435 continuous days without a day off. I have taken a day off since then and a couple of other days later. So I'm at- And, and I just want to say, Joseph, when I came down in December, <laughs> I helped you round one day. I saw a whole bunch of patients <laughs> and did some teaching and that exhausted me. And that was one day. <laughs> Actually, maybe it was two days. So I don't know how you did 400, but anyway. But but the idea that we can't share those kind of- like there it. It, uh, it, to, to say that it's damaging, um, you know, there, there's information that can be learned in real time from clinical experts who are treating the disease, not waiting for these, and I don't even want to go into the whole uh, medical publication, randomized control trial things, which take years. And so it, it's, it really seems that we're, we're hurting patients on the medicine side with all these restrictions, 
but you're talking about like the central tenet of journalism. So you say an education chancellor went to a news station and said, you can't cover this. And the news station listened. Right. When is the that? Is it the whole purpose of the news station to break these kind of stories and bring to the public stuff that's happening that others don't want you to know about, but we need to know about? News stations have lost their backbone. They're concerned about lawsuits. They're concerned about their bottom lines. It's all about corporate interests now rather than journalism. We've got to we've got to reform well, this you know, scenario. This is why, you know, for instance, so we started off with the podcast from Brett Weinstein, who, who, who's had a very popular podcast, very smart guy and very thoughtful guy, really a deep thinker. And he really addresses uh, topics responsibly and transparently. He really is open to looking at all sorts of data. He's willing to reconsider positions. And, and I think he really approaches it in, in, in a true manner. And what I'm finding now is it seems that if you want really good information, you kind of got to go to these podcasts Be because they, they're not beholden to corporate interest. The problem is when they address topics in an open and objective fashion, someone like Brett did it, and now he's uh, demonetized from YouTube. And so, like, where where do we go? Are we being relegated to the like like we had mentioned before the bit shoots and the, these sort of ancillary things? And it's really hard to get credible, objective information. It's a scary time in uh, in free speech history. Speech is really getting yes. shut down. It's crazy because we still have the First Amendment. Thank God, you know, I'm not in jail for ditching mm -hmm. Fox and covering what I wasn't supposed to. So that's a good thing. But we do have to try harder than ever to find ways to get information out that should be easily disseminate, disseminated, especially when you're talking about life-saving treatments. I mean, the fact that the media is skating around one of the most important aspects of this pandemic horrifies me. You know, and, and, and one of the most most important aspects of journalism, right? Yep. And so, so let me give you a little anecdote. So I have left two jobs in COVID because of my expertise in advocacy and trying to get good scientific medical knowledge and practice disseminated. Uh, I have been sort of attacked and harassed by two different employers, and I left. The first one was the most egregious. So when I was working for the University of Wisconsin, I was a faculty member at a university. And there's actually a role in society of a faculty member, which is you're supposed to be an expert and you're supposed to share your expertise to the society. And you're supposed to actually speak freely and openly without restrictions as a faculty member. But after I gave my first Senate testimony on steroids in May, my leadership sent me innumerable emails, multiple phone calls, demanding that I not speak to any press unless I check with them first, unless I tell them first what I was gonna talk about. And they didn't want me to talk about certain things. And I said, but wait, I'm, I'm like an expert in critical care and COVID and I'm just talking about my area of expertise, but they wanted to restrict that. And what's really funny is by the time I hired a lawyer and I pushed back, like the lawyer actually looked at the bylaws of a university and had to explain to university leaders that actually 
faculty members have a, a societal responsibility to share their expertise and knowledge. Meanwhile, they were trying to restrict that. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's happening everywhere. It's, it's, it's journalism, it's in medicine, we're being restricted, even in universities, the academic freedoms of speaking openly. And, and it really is a crazy time. Like COVID really, I think, just solidified and made hard a, a lot of un, unpleasant dynamics that have been going on. And, and you know, I, I don't want to sound so negative, but in a certain sense, I'd like to believe that it's gotten so absurd that we now have to pay attention and do something about it and fix it. This can't go on. I mean, we have hundreds of years of history about the ill effects of censorship. And now we're seeing the absurdity and the, the little harms that are happening to everyone in society by this censorship. And so I, I'm hoping that the groundswell develops and we start recognizing that. Let me ask another question. This is the thing that kills me is Ivory, you, made a bold move and, and, and you're no longer employed by Fox because you came out and, and fought back against the censorship. Where is the bold editor who's under those corporate interests, who's the one who's exerting these restrictions? Where is that editor? Like, I, I think this is a failure of every science desk editor in the country for every major newspaper and television station. Where are the science editors coming out and revolting on, against the fact that we have to listen to the captured agencies. Right. I would like to know, but you know, the higher up you get in, in a corporation, that the more prestigious position you have in the corporation, the more you've sold your soul to the corporation. You know, my boss who, who disciplined me unjustly, she, she, I mean, her strings were being pulled by her higher ups and she is someone who, if you, if you look at her career, I admire her career so much. She has put everything, her entire soul into reaching that position high up in Fox. And if, if she loses that, she's lost everything. I mean, she sacrificed family time to, to dedicate to this company. She sometimes sleeps in her office. These people who make it to those high up positions, who make the decisions about what make, goes on the air, they've done everything to get there. So they've completely sold their soul to the corporation. And, and when it comes in, and I know that my, my boss who I just left loves journalism. So I know that she's probably dying inside right now that she had, she had to do this, but yeah. she would rather sacrifice journalism to obey her boss and and come after me unjustly than to throw away her entire life that she's built so it's it's really sad the people who who've sold their souls to corporations and these corporations have a way of of owning you i mean the the company tried to to do things to me to really uh get get me completely tied to them i mean they tried to get administrative access to my social media accounts and all kinds of things, which uh, which I put my foot down. My colleagues said yes. They tried to get every on air, every on air talent was supposed to hand over their social media pages to the corporation. And I asked why, and they said, "So if you rogue, we can just delete your page." And I said, oh my "Okay, gosh. that's not." Yeah. So they do these all kinds of things so that you can't go rogue, or your whole life gets ripped apart. But uh, I there uh, there were so many instances where I put my foot down and said no, 
this is this is mine, not yours, and you're not gonna tread into my space. Clearly. I don't belong to Fox Corp. And so, and, but, uh, but it's too not many you... news people have too many news people have just handed over their lives. Visit. It's other outlets. But as I was saying. As I was saying, it's not just you, Ivory. I mean, and it's uh, and Pierre. Uh, it's not just the media. I mean, we are pretty much gagged not to talk. I mean, the fact is that at least to me, it's it's very painful that I came to this country because of the uh, freedom of speech and freedom of choice. And guess what? When I'm out there with some of the politicians that I was going with, going from time to time, and I am told, do not mention hydroxychloroquine at the time. You know that uh, that was the thing. Do not mention ivermectin when we are giving a speech uh, on all those things. You know that there is a problem. When you have a, some state agency that comes into the hospital and tells you, how dare you allow the media to come in? I mean, but then really, how dare you uh, inform people of how terrible this thing was? We're in the middle of a pandemic. People are dying. If you don't show them that people are dying, people are gonna continue to do the things that they were doing that got them there. So, you know, I mean, we were trying to educate the public by obviously keeping, um, um, preventing, um, following all the HIPAA rules and stuff like that. But even with that, they came down on us. You know all the nightmares that I have been going through. No, I believe me. I know it, it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, I've never, I could have never imagined this. I mean, I've always had free reign to use my clinical judgment and my expertise. I mean, I, I mean, I live, eat, and breathe medicine, just like you, Joseph, and we've been doing that for decades. And and when I come to the bedside of a patient, I'm trying to figure out how to help them. There's nothing to restrict me. I mean, I'm known for my good judgment. I'm known for my good care. And suddenly to be told, you know, doctors, and I'm not alone. There's a lot of doctors being told, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. And it's, it's bizarre. Now, Avery, let me ask you a question. Are you familiar with the Trusted News Initiative? No, I'm not. What's that? Well, yeah, I was hoping that maybe you would, but it, it, apparently it's, it's, it was a sort of a consensus decision of a number of major media outlets to sort of come together and and be systematic and controlled in the kind of information that they were going to disseminate, especially around medicines and therapeutics. And that's part of the reason why we're having so much trouble um, is that a large, large part of the major mass media, they have made a decision that they will only allow discussions on what is uh, determined to be correct and efficacious by like the WHO and the NIH. And, and, and that's why when you speak of a medicine which has all of this evidence, until they approve it, it's medical misinformation. And, and that's one of the forces that did it. And so we're trying to learn more about it, who started it and how, how well it's enforced, but it kind of explains why um, all the social media, major media, and that, that brings me to my, my next question then is that, there seems to be now a political affiliation, which those who get called, those who are calling out censorship, we, we tend to be labeled on right, right wing because we tend to question our governmental authorities, which is generally more of a right wing position. But it's science. We're, we're questioning the scientific positions of these leaders. It has nothing to do with politics. And so why do you think that, that we're constantly lumped in with, with right-wing uh, ideology when we're just being scientists? Well, these people who want to intimidate uh, others into not speaking uh, like to try to 
throw labels at at others and uh i i don't know you know i i don't care about these labels again uh, when you're talking about saving lives yeah it's not about politics uh and i don't care the the terms right wing and left wing have meant different things throughout history but the term censorship has always been been something that is used when a leader wants to start to take away their people's liberties you know hitler mm -hmm. censored the press before he stripped away everyone's liberties and when he established those concentration camps people didn't know that they existed and if they knew they existed they had no idea what was happening inside those concentration camps because of the censorship you don't know what you don't know so we need to get rid of censorship now before we see horrors start to happen that we don't even know are happening. Censorship has always been bad for, for freedom. So that's why I'm against it. And I don't care what any, whatever labels people want to throw me, throw at me for being against censorship. Censorship has historically never been good for free people. By the way, the definition of journalism is to provide people with the information they need to be free and self-governing. That's yes. why I'm a that's why I'm a journalist to inform people to keep them free. And censorship is bad. I'm going to educate people about that now that I'm free of Fox. It is bad. I don't care what labels people want to throw around. And and that's why I'm trying to I, I don't know if it's positive, but I do believe that it's in particular the most acute and egregious example of the ill effects of 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 censorship is as as a group of experts around the drug ivermectin and, and the mountains of, of evidence showing efficacy is you're literally seeing patients dying in multiple countries of the world because the leaders are preventing ivermectin's efficacy from being known. They are, they are having a, they, they're interfering with the dissemination of that knowledge. And you're seeing this just egregious, horrifically like global damage of censorship around medical uh, knowledge. And, and my hopes are that in the future, and hopefully it's the very soon future, um, that that gets recognized and corrected. And I, and I think this is gonna be one for the history books. I think this chapter of what happened in this pandemic around therapeutics, around you know, expert, you know, bands of expert clinicians who learned the efficacy of a drug, but were blocked from disseminating. And, and what I try to mention now is like Joseph, myself, and Paul, and Jose, um, and Umberto, you know, the, the core five of us, we're not alone. There are like very similar organizations of committed expert clinicians who've discovered efficacy of drugs all around the world. We're in contact with groups everywhere, not, not only in Canada, and South Africa, and Zimbabwe, and India, and the Netherlands, I mean, any country um, has been reaching out to us and we're all fighting the same fight. We're all being suppressed in the same ways. And um, I don't know, I, hopefully we, we, we will prevail eventually. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask one more question then maybe we can go to a question and answers and, and, and sort of uh, see what kind of questions come at us. But Ivory, what are your plans to bring this issue uh, uh, to, to more people? Well, the next step I'm working on right now is uh, getting getting together a story of a lot of journalists. I need to prove to people this wasn't one little thing with me. This this is happening to so many journalists across the country uh, that, that journalism is is really being hampered. So I'm working on a project telling the stories of other journalists who've been censored by their 
corporation. But oh, uh, yeah, so I I want to, you know, of course, I put out that that my very first independent news report about this topic about what what has developed an understanding of COVID drugs that work, you know, drugs that work against COVID and then really shining a glaring light on the media skating around the issue. So I want to continue to, to expose these harmful things and then educate people about what journalism is and why it matters and how it's so, different than corporate so news. Ivory, you're, uh, I think um, I'm going to ask the team to send all our registrants a link to your independent piece that you um, that you publicized after you left Fox News. And it, it centered around actually interviews with Joseph, myself, uh, Dr. Merrick, and it was around the therapeutics of ivermectin. But um, I'm, I'm going to ask the team, I, there's one particular clip that I want to play, if, if I can ask uh, the folks to play this. I think the audience should, should listen to this because... Um, what you guys may not know, we do these webinars and I used to have this theme of like palm to forehead things, like just inane, absurd, ridiculous things that happen around the world. When you're talking about the inanity, insanity of, of censorship and, and, and this ridiculous opposition to like a cheap, safe, available drug. And so I call it palm to forehead slides. Well, your interview <laughs> in, in this, in the larger piece, when you interview this, this representative of the Pan American Health Association, which is closely allied with the WHO. Well, he is, he's, he works for the WHO. He said, yeah. I mean, he's, he's both, but he he's represents, both. he represents North and South America for the WHO. Brilliant. And so you went to the source because you heard stuff from me and you're a good reporter. So you wanted to verify, you know, which information is true. You're hearing one thing from one person and one thing from another. So I would like the audience now to judge, you know, who's credible. They've all heard me talking about my expertise around ivermectin. But so if we could play this, uh, th th this portion of your, uh, your piece, I think it's really interesting. They basically just dismissed uh, immense amounts of data. That researcher is concluding that World Health Org was purposely omitting some of the most robust studies. No, that's, I disagree. I categorically deny. Right now, there is actually a legal action by the Indian Bar Association against the chief scientist of the WHO for her statements against ivermectin. India is really pushing back against the WHO. It's, it's really stunning to see because they've learned to ignore the WHO. The states in India with aggressive use and adopted into their guidelines have precipitous declines in cases and deaths. And when you compare it to the one state in India that did not adopt it, they are out of control. And that's Tamil Nadu in, in Southern India. In World Health Org's analysis of what's happening in India, what do they think is working then? Oh, and this clip uh, ends short before he answers. So if you watch my whole 17 minute uh, news report, you see his eyes went to the side there yep. and he thought for a while. And then he said, what was that? And then I repeated mm -hmm. myself. And then he said, we don't get into the internal affairs of countries like that. that that's he, the dumbest, dumbest that you're like, question. what do you think about the data coming out of ivermectin, out of India around ivermectin with all, all these cases and deaths going down? We don't get into the eternal, like, like as if it's a political like movement or something. They don't want to look into it. Yeah, I, it, it was absurd. Specifically looks at at COVID in different countries. So for absurd. him to say yeah, to say that about why the numbers are plummeting in India 
after they implemented multiple drugs that WHO said don't use. Yeah, I, and I no, was, yeah, and if no one has so uh, watched or, or the viewers have not watched uh, the interview that Ivory did, I mean, you have to watch please. it. I mean, you are talking about a fair and balanced uh, interview where you have the good, the bad, the ugly. And uh, I mean, it's amazing. I, I can't stress, uh, you know, tell you guys to, to, to do this more. But Joseph, more. Joseph, you know, Ivory asks very open, honest questions. So what do you think about this? I've never seen a guy look so uncomfortable, squirming, like Ivory said, looking to the side. He starts to say something mm -hmm. and then he backtracks. Like he was, he knows that he has to cover up a lie. And it was absurd. And I, and I think Ivory brought that out just by asking very simple questions. And so I would let the audience judge of that. So anyway. You know, when I, when I worked for Fox and people mm -hmm. would interview me, I used to act like him. <laughs> <laughs> Because you, there's so much you have to hold back. You can't yes. just Now that I'm free of Fox, I can speak really easily in, in these interviews. But when I, I work, yeah, I, it was like, you know, you sit there and rack your mind about how to be politically correct with this answer. And that's what he was doing. But it did, it really did surprise me what this representative of the WHO said, because I, I came to him with a an open, curious mind, wanting an honest answer on what's the truth here. I'm hearing of these opposing sides, and I myself was shocked at how he responded to me, and he dodged yeah. a lot of. So I want to tell all the uh, the viewers that the link is in the chat. So please uh, go to the chat. The link to um, Ivory's independently produced piece. It's uh, obviously high level professional. I mean, um, it's it's a really good piece, and it's balanced, and you hear from both sides. And you guys can be the judge. I mean, um, yeah, you yeah, be the it judge. It looks like there's a lot of comments in the chat now. You're going to have to go to the very top of the chat. The link's at the I, top. I keep on posting it over and over again oh, so okay. people can see it. Yeah, so okay. we'll, maybe we can uh, afterwards send it to the registrants. But uh, I think it's it's definitely worth viewing. It's a 20-minute piece. And I, I thought it was unbelievable. And and to me, that part, because I had never seen that. when I Because most of it was an interview with Joseph and myself. And we know what we're talking about. I hadn't heard the other side be be questioned as directly as you had. And I was shocked at how poor of a job they did in coming Isn't up it in, in being credible. Isn't it crazy that nobody asks those basic questions of the WHO? That's why when I came to him saying, I'm a Fox reporter wanting to ask about this, he came to me like, oh, absolutely. You know, he never thought I would ask extremely simple, open questions that the viewers had. And this is- I, I, would, I would ask anyone, I would ask anyone who's watching this, if they've ever seen me look to the side and disassemble <laughs> and look furtive when I'm answering questions, I answer the truth. I, I know the data, I know the science. So anyway, um, why don't we- that, that, that Neither you or me, Pierre, knew what was coming. So we, we actually saw it, when I saw it the first time, I said, no way. I mean, and this guy works for the WHO. He needs to find a new job. Oh my God! I was like, he needs a PR person. He needs like five <laughs> PR people around him who are vetting the questions because that guy did not like. If he was playing poker, oh my God, I would, <laughs> I would have emptied his pockets. Um, he's anyway. the director of communicable diseases for the Americas for the WHO. 
I like, I like, I, I like somebody just put on the chat that, you know, it looked like the Muppets because the guy was looking like, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's totally, he's like, he didn't know what to do. Oh, he's like looking back and forward. Anyway. Um, yeah. so Betsy, um, yes. why don't we, uh, why don't we move to some Q and a, we, we addressed a bunch of interesting topics. Um, and we have a lot of questions and I, we have to remind people that we're going to keep the chat up for 15 minutes after we finish here with the video. So they'll have plenty of time to go back and get the link and, and uh, go back and see that video because you really want to do that. Um, but I'm going to start with a question that came in from Rebecca and you doctors are going to like this one. Can you quantify the impact of censorship during COVID? In other words, how many people may have died or gotten very sick because of the censorship? That's pretty easy. I mean, you know, at least in this country, more than 600,000, simple as that. And the problem, and when we've talked about this, the problem is we have not had a uniform message. Everybody says whatever they want. And then you get on the things that work, everybody censors you. I mean, come on. If we have not, if we have been allowed to get the math plus protocol out there and everybody would have talked about it. And since we start using ivermectin, the use of ivermectin, I can assure you that we would have more than half of those days would not be there. Simple as that. I don't know what and, you think, Pierre. And, and no, so Joseph, I was asked this question recently yeah. and um, I calculated, and this is how I did it. I, I looked at the number of deaths on January 6th when our group presented to the NIH and we gave them all the data on ivermectin and they moved their recommendation from strongly recommending against to neutral. And I said, had they made a recommendation for at that time, and that would have opened the floodgates to all the outpatient doctors in the country treating early with ivermectin. And I think at that time we were at something around two to 300,000 deaths. As of about a week ago, we were at 600,000. So in the interim, 300,000 people have died. If you look at the data, the most recent paper by Mexico, where they showed what a national test and treat program did, is that they essentially averted 76% of patients from hospitals. And that's only with a two-dose regimen. That was two days of regimen. So it's a minimum of iver ivermectin is capable. So if you look at that, 76% of 300,000, I mean, you're, you're talking about 200,000 deaths that could have been averted in this country alone in this country alone. And, and as we know, many countries around the world would follow the US. If the NIH or FDA gave an EUA for ivermectin, you would have seen many, many, many uh, countries follow suit. So the, the, in the short answer is it's incalculable. And then the, the, the numbers become kind of, I don't know, they, 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 they become kind of abstract because I don't know how to calculate 200,000 deaths. I mean, I've seen the patients die. I've seen individuals die. I see what they look like on ventilators. I see what they look like when they're so late and so advanced in disease and I can't get them better. Um, but I can't multiply that by 200,000. It, it's too much. Wow, that's fascinating because I, I looked at hospitalized death rates just in, in Harris County, which is the county seat of Houston where Dr. Barone's hospital is located. So in the month of February, you're saying you made that recommendation in January. So a month later in February, the state, the death rate from the state of Texas, it was 18% hospitalized death rate for COVID-19 in Harris County hospitals, which is about 95 hospitals. Uh, Dr. Brown's hospital is in that same county. The death rate at his hospital was about 6% compared to 18%. And like you said, had people 
had access to information about about what works those lives could have been saved oh there's not there's not even a question not even a question we have a question now though uh that gets into what can we do here from ibi ukegbu i hope i said that right is it possible for all the doctors who agree with these treatments to instigate a class action lawsuit against the media houses for censoring free speech without having any medical knowledge of their own. Well, so, okay. Uh, let, let me preface and say I'm not an expert, but I've talked to a few folks who are trying to fight back against censorship. And here's the issue is that if you're looking at social media and even some of the media, if they're private companies, you cannot hold them liable. They do not have a responsibility for protecting your First Amendment right. The government does. The government can't interfere with your First Amendment rights, but private corporations can. So YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, it's well within their rights to determine what can or cannot be said. However, it seems that I, in talking to some folks, it looks like these social media private companies are essentially actors of government if they are behaving like government actors and infringing on first amendment rights you can hold them liable so it hinges on whether you can prove that they're essentially behaving as government actors and i think the evidence for that is clear it's in their policies they're essentially saying what the government says is what we're going to allow to be said so they're essentially essentially acting as an arm of the government as a filter uh, for, for what can be discussed in society. And, and that's why some of the scary stuff that, that Ivory said is the stuff we should worry about. So that, that's one avenue in that you can fight back. For me, and this is what Paul Marek says a lot, and, and we still wanna believe this, although there are days where I doubt it, is that we really do think that the truth is gonna win out and the data is gonna be insurmountable. And I, I gotta tell you where I'm encouraged is in the last two or three weeks, not only the Mexico uh, State Health Department, their preprint showing what their national test and treat program did, but now you're seeing health ministries from a number of different countries. So states of India, Argentina, Malaysia, Indonesia, now you're seeing groups saying, hey, we're using ivermectin and the cases are going down, the deaths are going down. And I think you were gonna to get to a critical mass of well-meaning, non-captured health ministries from countries around the world. Now, now that's being censored, right? You can't talk about that in the US, but I think at a certain point, um, it's gonna be hard to ignore. And, but again, every time I think I'm being naive, uh, I am correct. So uh, this may be another example. So scratch that. Okay, we have uh, Patricia Rosenstein wants to know, uh, what can all of us who are listening do to help disseminate the news about ivermectin? I think, you know, I think that the, I mean, education, education, education. And we've talked about this, Pierre. Uh, Ivory has been excellent in at least disseminating what, I mean, she did her own independent thing and really show that, you know, what we're doing is working. But now we need to take that to the household. People have to, to see it. And with so much censorship, I can tell you, I mean, like I said, you know, I'm in Facebook jail every other week. Uh, it's tough to, to disseminate it through social media. 
that's one of the problems. And that's where, where experts like, like you guys can tell us, how can we get the, the word out? Yeah, you know, use I, my, take my independent news report that D Dr. Varone has linked in the chat. Share that with all your friends. Yes. Because it really, it, it gives a hands-off look at, okay, this is what the media has done. This is the facts that are out. This is what World Health Org says. This is what the researchers say. And, you know, you are, you are free to screen record that video, to upload it anywhere you want. I don't care. I give, I give permission to everyone to do what you want with that, that news report. Just get it out there to your people. We've got to do grassroots sharing of information now. Because it, it, is that, ivory. Yeah, it is grassroots, Ivory. It is grassroots. That was banned by Fox. And it was banned, according to Dr. Verone, who's, who has now befriended many media members, other people are banned from mm -hmm. asking those questions as well. So my independent news report is one of the few actual news reports you can find on this topic. And, and I got to tell you, I've been, I've been actually using that word a lot because when, you know, I, I think I talked about it a little bit on either Joe Rogan or Brett Weinstein, but... Um, you know, I feel bad for the average layperson when they're listening to the major media and what they say, and then they hear these other doctors who are saying something different. It's like, who to believe? And my opinion, knowing all the forces and the dynamics that are at play is that the key word is you want that person to be independent. You want to hear an opinion of someone who doesn't profit from it, doesn't have any uh, influence above them or around them and, and aren't seeking to gain anything. And when you do, I think you hear the best information, which is objective scientists who don't have an employer who are restricting what they're saying and whose livelihood doesn't depend on what they're saying. And so I, I would argue that the FLCCC is that is, is one of those groups. And you're now independent. And you did that on purpose, Ivory. You left because you realized you couldn't be a journalist staying in your position. You couldn't hew to the original principles of journalism if you were going right. to be censored and not being allowed to report what 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 is uh, what is information that's critical to citizens, exactly. And, and so that we're very clear, uh, Miss Ivory, I applaud yes. you. I'm very serious. You know, I want this to be known by everybody that's watching us. I applaud you for the courage that you have. I mean, we have been uh, fighting uh, all these months, but you had the courage of telling people this is what 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 the medicine shows. This is what the data shows. Uh, regardless of whatever they told you not to say. And that is to be applauded. I mean, Joseph, you have lots of Joseph. Here's the thing. I don't want to take it. In fact, this isn't taking anything away from ivory. But why aren't there a hundred ivories out there? Why is ivory the only one who had the courage and conviction and the sense of the true principles of journalism to come out and say, I am not going to stay on in this job if I can't do why I went into why I became a journalist? Why, why are because you alone? They are scared. They are it's scared. a paycheck. Just, like, like, just, just like, like Harry said, you know, I now I have become friends with a ton of journalists over the last year and a half. And every time I even give them the idea of let's go ahead and do something on ivermectin or talk about matters, they said, you know, we take them to our uh, board uh, discussion and they tell us no. Why? Because, quote, the public won't be interested in that. Why? Because it's controversial. It's like, Come on, I mean, journalism is about controversy for God's sake. What hey, yeah, they used to say controversy is good for ratings. Drama well, is It's a very complicated thing. I live ratings. around journalists. What, what is it now? Something else. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of, I, 
think part of it is the employment issue. You get a lot of in journalists, they have children to put through college and all of this kind of thing. They have their families to support. But at the other end, you've got a lot who are listening to the people at the top. Their best sources, the science editors particularly, their regular sources have been all the people at the top of these public health agencies and all of the people who were working in these labs and all of the people at the top of these um, medical journals, the prestigious ones and mm -hmm. the prestigious medical schools. And they don't feel that they have the power and the understanding to go against these. Quote, Wait unquote, a second, that, Betsy. That's um, what I'm hearing anyway. From I'm going to use a curse word here, but I thought journalists were particularly skilled at sniffing out bullshit. And if you <laughs> yeah. look at Ivory's uh, interview, <laughs> if you look at Ivory's interview of this guy, this representative of the WHO, I mean, that's the definition of sniffing out bullshit. And so yes. these science, these science that they got to know that they're being fed, that what they're being fed isn't jibing from what they're hearing, they should know how to read papers. They should know how to look at scientific journal. I mean, Tess Laurie's meta-analysis, which was published a week ago, these are decades-long Cochrane gold standard systematic reviewers who put out the definitive paper on ivermectin. And it's that would normally be the front page news of every newspaper in the country. And this any is- Any other time. You're right. And this news. is this is why- what's been driving me nuts because Joyce and myself, former media people who have been helping you doctors because we've seen what you've done all along and the lives that you've saved. And we've interviewed those people. We know this is true. And we've watched, you know, Joe Verone in, in the hospital. So we know this is true and we go out and want to spread the word, but we're met with people who are in the media, in my case, in New York, who read the New York Times, and if it isn't in the New York Times, it didn't happen. They've got a huge science staff and they're talking to the people at the top and all of these people are only seeing ivermectin. Oh, that's not, that's not reliable because these people at the top are saying other things. And do you think we've been able to break through? It's been impossible up until this point. This is one of the reasons why I think what Ivory is doing is is terrific on the ground yeah. you've seen it well exactly. anyway well, we return, we, as yeah. journalists we've got to return to just covering what we're seeing on the ground instead of having such an allegiance to these public health organizations yes. be yeah. with the soldiers not the generals yeah, because exactly. the generals do their plan and go straight ahead and the soldiers know what's really happening yeah, and right. I read too much of a culture of, of whatever WHO says or the CDC says goes. And guys, we, we talked about how I've released recordings of my bosses to prove what's going on there. I mean, I also have a recording uh, where where my colleagues are saying, well, Ivory, we can only report what the CDC says. Yeah. And that's not journalism. That is not journalism. So, um, and, and, the pro and the problem is, you know, it's, it's, it, the CDC is one of those people that they change they change your mind like they change underwear. I mean, every single day they come up with, oh, let's wear one mask, two masks, no mask. I mean, it's a joke. And it's now an we've got, and and you, in, the past, the WHO. in the past few months, we had that whistleblower from the WHO in uh, Italy, Italy, I believe it was. Yeah, Italy. Where yeah. he came forward with emails showing WHO was commanding him to alter facts, to falsify documents yeah about treatment of COVID. 
And he, he threw in the towel like me and said, he, here's the truth, I'm getting out of this corrupt organization. So the WHO is compromised. The whistleblower showed proof of that. We journalists need to start questioning everyone regardless of their title. That's what I'm trying to spread the word Again, Ivory, if, if anyone wants proof that they're compromised, they should watch your piece on, on Sunday. Watch your interview of this guy now. Uh, and I, I keep on posting it over and over again. Yeah. We one got a couple thing. of good questions. Um, hold on, one Wait. more thing. Ivory, you mentioned that you're sort of doing, I don't know, maybe a, a piece or somewhere. You're going to talk to others in journalism to get their experiences and, and hear what kind of censorship or restrictions they're under. How many are going to go on the record? Well, most of these people are ones who who actually quit. They couldn't stand it. Uh, they couldn't stand that their job, their bosses were taking away journalists. They were hired to be journalists. And then their bosses said, just kidding. You're going to do a corporate news narrative, not journalism. And so these people quit, but they didn't. They, they never told their stories of why they quit. We watched right. journalists silently quit all the time. We never know why. I was someone who once I once my bosses did what they did to me, I was like, I want to quit. And I thought about, do I quit silently or do I tell the viewers the truth? And I said, look, the viewers need to know. But so many journalists didn't make that choice. And I'm taking those journalists and now I'm going to give them, them a public voice. You know, that's an answer to that question earlier. What else can we do? And I think, uh, Ivory, I, I think your work here, I think that could be really important is you you get a collection of those journalists who actually had to leave the profession because they saw um, how it, it, it had fallen far short of its, its founding principles. And so uh, bring that to light. Quick yep, question. Quick question though. Daniel Arcan wants to know, why can't ivermectin be considered a right to try drug? Oh, it, it certainly can. It certainly can, but that's if you were playing by the rules. You know, there's so many rules that are being, it's about selective application of the rules. Like for instance, in 2016, Congress passed the Cures Act. And that was an attempt by Congress to get the FDA to behave. Because the FDA was, was practicing, which is to say they would only listen to these huge big RCTs run by pharma. And Congress said, no, we want you to make a good faith effort to look at real world evidence. Stop getting stuck on these massive multi-center, double-blind, randomized controlled trials that cost hundreds, you know, millions and millions of dollars and look at the evidence of efficacy. And is there evidence that the FDA follows those rules or tries to stick to the spirit of that, uh, of that legislation? The answer is absolutely not. And around ivermectin, because ivermectin has clinical trials evidence, it has real world evidence, it, it has innumerable amounts of sources of evidence of eff efficacy, but they are purposely not paying attention. They're ignoring that. And so th they're violating some of the rules established by government. And so uh, to, to expect them to play by the rules is just not going to happen. They're not going to play by the rules because remember, like uh, when we had that surprise inspection by the state in the middle of, uh, of like, December 31st, when I have one of the investigators come in and says, I hear that you are doing research with the eye medication. I don't know what it is, but it starts with an eye. I said, you're talking about ivermectin. He says, well, yeah, that's uh, research. I said, no research. I'm using a medication of label, which is perfectly okay. And guess what? Our patients are surviving. I mean, they didn't care. 
they move it to the next step. And, you know, we are going through, a, through hell because, of, because we're saving lives. That's why we're going through hell. No, it's because, because you're saving, Joseph, it's because you're saving lives without remdesivir. Yeah. Correct. You're not spending enough money to save the lives. That's exactly. the problem. Uh, All right. Well, anyway. you have to know this. I'm told from the folks who can watch the chat, because I don't have time to do it while I'm doing this, that it's on fire and everybody is saying you guys are heroes, heroes, and that some mm -hmm. people are crying and wow, we, you know, you really touched a nerve. There are people out there who understand the humanitarian impulse and what you doctors have been doing and Ivory, what you've done too with your own career to come out there and say, this is what questions need to be asked. But that's all the time we have for tonight. So we got, we got to wrap it up. So I've got to thank you all for being here, for being wonderful. Uh, folks, if we didn't get to your question, because we never get to all the questions, we're going to be here next week. Same time, same station, you know, seven o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Pacific, everything in between and whatever it is where you are in the world. Uh, folks at home, let's see. Oh, in the meantime, you can, if you can't find us on Facebook or on Twitter or LinkedIn or YouTube, <laughs> we're still there and mostly. Uh, we are now also on Telegram, so you can check us out there. And uh, you can always check our website, flccc.net. We're in the process of doing a lot of updates for that. Might be a little messy for a couple of days, but we're working on it. We're going to get a lot of good things there, make it easier for you to find everything. And our protocols are there. Remember, you know, iMask Plus, particularly for those of you at home who want protection, who want prevention, and who also need to um, perhaps know what to do if you feel you get infected. And then I recover for those of you who have suffered with the long haul. That's real important. They're there. You can download them. And uh, we're getting them all translated too, um, as much as we can in many languages. And that's it. You're going to be able to stay on chat for 15 minutes more. But uh, thank you. Thank you for donations. Those of you who have been helping us out, God bless you. We really appreciate that. And other than that, we will see you next week. Thank you. Stay well. Thank you all. Great to see you. Thanks, guys. Great conversation. Nice to see you, Bye -bye. Joseph. And thanks, thank Ivory. You. Nice to see you. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye.